they have this inbuilt knowledge of like 1,000 different microservices that have really f***ing weird names. Yeah. And they'll be like, mm, I need to add two numbers together. Mm, don't worry. There's a there's a, a plugin for that. And then it's yep. it's like called Weed Whacker or something. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 414 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the Game Dev Comedy Podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the tools developer. I'm Sam, and I'm the artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is May 5th, 20 Jubilee. May the 5th be with you, as, that's, as it That's goes. what they say. Nope. Uh, there will be profanity on this show, so be ready for that. And we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you very much for helping us keep our mic tubes full of mic juice. Uh, all right, you guys. Gross. Is that so like got, is that like a got, trombone? You know, how like a trombone fills up with juice. Yeah, you got to empty it out. You know. That was well, my. I, I guess in this, like, I didn't like the band very much, but easily the worst part of the entire like band experience was emptying the spit valve. Yep, yep. She no just, one tells you about that. Oh my god, god, horrible, disgusting. That's like yeah, and you just did it. You just like did it on the floor. Like actually, yeah. That. Where did we do that? You we just, just sprayed did it on the floor. Did we on the ground? Yeah, I have no recollection of that part. You just had like all these, you know, adolescents just dumping just an hour's worth the of their saliva onto the ground. It's even worse now that I remember. Oh my god, it was horrible. Uh, uh, play the guitar. You know that's what you should. Do. <laughs> yeah, anything you don't have to spit into yeah, is yeah, a good better. instrument. Uh, all right, so let's talk about something kind of kind of whack that happened over this past week and a half. We're going we're gonna to go on a journey. I'm going to tell a little, a little long story with lots of parts. Okay. Yeah, we got, Three act play. We're going to figure out how to stay like at the right weed level so that everybody can yeah. peer out over the, the tall grass, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's what happened. A couple weeks ago, I went into the dentist. Actually, it was two, two Mondays ago. I went into the dentist to get my gums stabbed with a, with a scalpel. Mm-hmm. I had a gum transplant a while ago. I, and I had too much leftover gums. You did too good. Were, yeah. I did too good on my healing. And they were like, get these fucking gums off of here. You got too much gums now. Mm-hmm. So I, they literally took some of my gums off. Okay. So that was that was how my Monday kind of ended at the end of the work day. Just went over, got my gum stabbed. There was an option, I should say, while we're you know on the topic, that you could have gotten cadaver tissue in there instead of your own, which is pretty fucking wild that that was. That is, that is pretty wild. I also I like the own. idea they presented you that option. They were like, okay, look, we can give you your own flesh or we can take mm-hmm. a dead person's which we'll just call cadaver flesh just to like just to not really to really sink bring it in the there. point home. And the marketing then, department was off for yeah. this one. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Wild. Cad- yeah, we don't talk about our food like that. Do you want a do you want a, a cadaver sandwich? Yep. Yeah. That's a oh sorry, I meant a burger. Yep. Uh anyways, so so Monday night, you know, I wasn't in the mood for for much. And uh my my face hurt. Mm-hmm. So I vaped a bunch of weed. And then I was sitting at my computer and I was like, what can I do that is kind of dumb? And I yep. was like, I'll just, maybe I could just play around with Copilot because I'm a game maker programmer and I haven't really gotten much of a chance to use GitHub Copilot, which is this fancy AI tool that lives in VS Code and it like helps you with your programming. And VS you know? Code is uh, is just a code editor. Yeah. And I was like, well, I need a programming problem to to play around. I can't just like start writing code for no reason. You know, that's that would be crazy. So I started thinking around of like what kinds of uh, what kinds of problems I might have. And one of the things that, that kept coming up was this problem from my WoW guild that has been this insurmountable kind of uh, combinatorial explosion management problem. So I'll try to summarize it very mm-hmm. briefly. And that's okay. – wow, is in World of Warcraft just – World of Warcraft, I'm, yeah. I have no idea what to assume our listeners you know, are going to know. So I'm yeah. going <laughs> to keep on. All right. So, so in this game, you go and you fight bosses and, these, and it takes 20 people to kill one of these bosses. And the boss fight can last sometimes up to 12 minutes, usually at least a few – at least like three minutes or so. Yeah, which doesn't uh, they, sound they, long, right? Except that you're orchestrating 20 people, 20 people in this really complex boss fight. So you actually usually have to do it, like, how many times before you beat it? 100. Well, 
So for the last boss, it took us like 200 something attempts, you know, crazy. And so, yeah, you'll get like five minutes in and then somebody makes a mistake and dies. And then it's like, well, that's it. And then everybody, and then we usually have a phrase like off the edge and we all leap off a cliff and die so we can start. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, So, so one of the big challenges of these boss fights is that these bosses are doing all kinds of stuff to kill you. They're trying, they're doing all kinds of damage. They're knocking people off of shit. They're like setting people on fire. You know, there's all kinds of stuff, right? Um, and it is scripted because it's, you know, it's a, it's a video game. So like, you know, that what things are going to happen and, and when those things are going to happen roughly. And one of the big challenges of this is, is trying to make sure that, that you have enough ways to survive. Mm-hmm. And primarily that comes through your healing players, players who, who their whole role is keeping everybody alive. And those healers have all kinds of buttons to do lots of big healy stuff. Okay. But the problem with healing is that it's a zero-sum game. If I cast a heal on somebody who's already healthy, it won't do anything. You just and wasted all those healing points. Mm-hmm. I wasted it. And and if that thing, that if that button I pushed has a cooldown, so like if, if it's a really strong button that I can only hit maybe once every two minutes or something, then it was especially bad because, mm-hmm. you know, we overlapped. Like somebody else healed and then I hit my big healing button and then – one of us wasted it, and then some later thing happens in the fight, and we don't have any buttons left mm-hmm. because we overlapped everything for, for no reason. So you right? basically have a, you have a coordination problem with a resource that has a particular kind of a constraint limit on it, which is not just that it's only possible to produce so much from your team, but also that deploying it at the wrong time means that it didn't fucking matter. It just you, you, Yeah, you might as well have not done which it. Which is right? rough. It's a very rough yeah. sort of situation. Yeah. Now, damage dealers don't have this problem because the boss will have like 100 million health, right? And the more damage you do, the better. It's not like if Steve hits the boss really hard, you don't get to, right? Mm-hmm. Like damage dealers can just, they could just operate fairly independently, right? But healers are like trying to watch what each other are doing and try not to overlap shit. And it's this big coordination problem. So for some of the the later bosses, the more the more difficult ones, they kind of ramp up as you get through a raid. Um, uh, the he the the damage that comes in starts to become so tough to live through that you have to be very careful about like trying to manage these cooldowns and make sure that your healers are not overlapping or wasting things and stuff like that. And it was just such it was a lot of work for us to plan out these last couple of boss fights because we had to by hand go through and look at all the timings and try to figure out who's going to use what abilities and when. Uh, and that worked pretty well. And we covered like most things, but then every now and then one of our healers would be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm out today. I'm sick or something. Right. This is sort of like, uh, I mean, for people who aren't familiar with the intensity of this, it's, it's basically a hobby thing, right? Where it's like, it's like if you had a softball league, you know, that people are pretty into and then we yeah. play it every week. And then like, yeah, so it's so got a business trip this week. So your pitcher's out. Yeah. You're like, okay, well, yeah. you know, we'll sub in someone else. But if you yeah, had It's, it's like plan, adult sports, right? Yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah. If you had some plan that was uh, contingent on that person being there, then you kind of got to redo the plan. You got to uh, redo the plan. And yeah. so you can have this problem where you have this cascade where it's like it takes a long time to plan a particular configuration of people. And then if any one of those people is not available, then it's not just that you can swap that person in completely. It's not actually quite as easy as like a pitcher. Uh, you just have another pitcher who like does the same job because you could have a different person who heals completely differently and has a different suite of abilities. Yeah, because the there's seven different kinds of healer yeah. in, in the game. And they all have different buttons that have different cooldowns that do different things. And so – if we if we just have a one to one swap, then that's okay. Like mm-hmm. if a if if it's the same kind of character, but if if we bring in a different kind of healer, then it's just a th- different. It, we can't do it, yeah. right? And so up so our our solution up up until now has been like uh, somebody swaps in, and we basically just tell them like, well, everybody else has a plan, and you just do your best because <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't this. we can't redo we can't redo this plan because uh, if we change something for you, then it cascades and forces every other thing to change and. We just don't have time, right? So I was thinking about this sort of combinatorial explosion problem of trying to manage all these cooldowns. Um, and then I got to thinking about it even further and I was like, you know, it's not just healers. There's lots of people have these really useful buttons that that do things to help other people in the group yeah. to survive and, and, you know, whatever. And we often don't coordinate those very well either just because we're so overwhelmed just with trying to coordinate the abilities of four healers instead of like 20 people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I was like, you know, I think this is a programming problem, right? Yep. Like if I could come up with a way 
to represent this information uh, and basically make a thing that kind of like generates a plan for us uh, where it tries to not overlap things and it tries to prioritize certain abilities that match what's happening in the boss fight, you know? And so I was like, great. So I sat down and I just started uh, – and like I don't know Python that well. And also like just to bring us back to the story, my gums hurt and I was I was vaped up on weed real good. <laughs> okay. So, Which uh, also I have, for some I have, context, like, weed became legal in Missouri uh, yeah. recently. So and uh, yeah. would recommend. It's a great way to relax. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was sitting at the computer and I was like, well – uh, I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm gonna start programming this thing and just like see what I can I can do with it. Uh, and so I booted up VS Code. I op- I made a new file. It's called you know it's called like RaidCooldowns.py, which is Python, right? So like as soon as I start this thing, then now Copilot is like, yeah, I know Python. Let's fucking go, right? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really know how to start, and so I just started like writing comments, kind of like describing Pseudo-code. what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then, and then Copilot just started like doing Python to do the stuff that I described in my comments. And then I was able to then come in and start like looking at what came out and figure it out and then make changes to it. And, you know, and, uh, by the time like an hour and a half had passed, I had like 500 lines of code and this thing was like actually doing a decent job of the thing that I wanted to achieve. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And I was like, man, if I can do this, like with a programming language, I barely know while in pain and kind of stone, <laughs> this is a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. So, so I started jamming on this thing on like uh, uh, like Monday night and then Wednesday night, um, and I started talking to my guildmates about it, and they were like, "Well, this is fucking crazy. Like, if, if you could actually pull this off and like make this thing work well, we could use this, you know." Um, and so, so then I started talking to Adam about it. I was like, "Hey, Adam, do you want to do you want to do a little programming jam this weekend?" And he's like, "Yeah, but fuck Python. Mm-hmm. JavaScript is better." And I was like, "Shit, but that's okay because we have Copilot. Mm-hmm. We can just yeah. convert this entire thing over to JavaScript fairly easily." Mm-hmm. And so on Saturday we did we did that. We and also like I don't know JavaScript that well, <laughs> so switched over to JavaScript with the help of Adam and Copilot. Um, and got it so that it like it hooks into like the Airtable APIs, so, like using Airtable as an interface to manage all the stuff. Airtable, yeah, I can figure all that stuff. Like the Airtable API is just phenomenal. It's real slick, um, like very. Yeah, you slick. can set up. You can just hook into it with like a few lines of code and just bleh, just get what you need. So, um, so we've been working on this stuff, and and uh, I was just like programming with Copilot all weekend, jamming on this little like fun little side project. And then Monday rolls around, boot up Game Maker. I'm like back, back to working on Crashlands 2 stuff. I boot up Game Maker and all weekend, my programming had kind of switched gears to like thinking about things at a very high level and like writing some pseudocode or comment comments to do stuff and having Copilot just be like, and just mm-hmm. spit out like 20 lines of code doing exactly what I wanted. And then when I got to Game Maker, I, start, I started typing and then I, fe- I found myself just like starting to type things and then just waiting. And then mm-hmm. nothing yeah, would this. happen. I'm like, shit. And then I have to, I had to keep like going and looking up variable names or like trying to remember, you know, what I had written 20 lines yeah, earlier. It was something I've been trying to articulate because I, because recently I've been trying to help out on the game maker programming side. And so like every week for the past, it's been like, I don't know, for four or six weeks or something. But every week I've been working on stuff. I try to articulate like just how hard it is for me to like, let to go back to, to not go having back to not having all this stuff, but especially in a new context, you know, because like I don't know the code base very well, I don't know game maker language that well, and so uh, and, and like and just that at one point I talked about that idea of like I'd found myself every time I bounce into game maker I would just like type something and because I'm basically I'm basically waiting for super fancy autocomplete right where it's just like just spits out yeah. the rest of the line. And and doing that kind of just like waiting thing, you know. And I had articulated that at the beginning, and everybody was like, "Oh, that's really you know kind of amusing and stuff." But I was like, nobody else has really just like experienced though, like what this is like. And so I was really glad that Seth now had to like had the weekend of seeing what it what it can be like, you know. Yeah. And then coming and like back, I, I and you had you'd been talking about it, and and I, the thing is, I believed. Oh yeah, you, but it's right? but it's theoretical until it's until it's experienced yeah, until you until you yourself can feel like wow this. This and the thing is, it's not it's not that Game Maker sucks. It's just that Copilot is so fucking good, yeah. right? Yeah. And so once you've had it, and then once you lose it, it feels like you've lost like a part of your brain, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. 
Um, and so, so on Monday, I, I, I spent the morning like working on some stuff in Game Maker, and then by Monday afternoon, um, Adam and I were just like sitting in the Discord, we were chatting about stuff, and I was like, man, I just. I feel like I'm coding in molasses now, <laughs> you know, like I'm just, I'm like, I'm stuck. I can barely move. Um, and, uh, Adam was like, do you think it's time to revive the game maker in VS code project? Which yeah, is a cause theoretical I, project. Yeah. And I've been kind of working on that on the side, but like just for fun, cause I was, I've been just waiting for permission to like make it a studio project, you know, cause I want it every time I, I jump into game maker, but like, I'm not the main game maker person. So it doesn't really matter if that's what I want, you know? Uh, but then as soon as yeah. as soon we, as Seth started to talk about this, I was like, it's time. It's time. And this was something we had talked about when we first started doing our a lot of our AI research way, you know, way back when, which was like people with copilot will just be making way more code, way faster, way more reliably than people without copilot. Yeah. It's just a fact. You just you can't argue. There's so much and, less stuff you have to like look like so so then yesterday I was working on the like a theming thing. And so I just have like a hundred, like I have a hundred icons, but all named in like a really predictable ways, right? And then I have this like I just have this configuration file I have to fill out, right? And so I'm like, oh God. So I start filling it out and then copilot's like I see what's going on here. Just Copilot's like, don't even <laughs> spits out the whole damn thing. But then also I get to the point where I'm like, I need icons to map onto file types, right? So I get into a section where I'm like, okay, I need like video file types, right? So I'm like, mm. I'm like, well, what's the one video type I can remember off like the top of my head, right? So I'm like, uh, AVI, right? Colon and then, and then the name of the thing that I want to use. And then I'm like, oh, what are the other ones? But it doesn't matter because I just hit enter and then VS Code's like, FLV. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's just, it's Again, just Copilot's like, I see what's going on To here. the point where it's actually too many because it spat out like 20 different kinds of video files. And I was like, this is, I don't even need this many, you know? Uh, this is, but normally that's the kind of thing I would have to go like look up somewhere and be it like, it'd take you like an afternoon yeah. to compose that list. Yeah, and just, said, it's just literally instant. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, back when we started our, our AI stuff, we did have the conversation about like, how can we get it so that we can do our game programming with the support of Copilot, and uh, where we kind of landed was that you know Game Maker still has so many features of like sprite editing and like all the audio stuff and you know like room editor blah 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 that it's it's very difficult to think of it as like just a programming environment right mm -hmm. and VS Code is very very much a programming environment right um, and you can do a lot of plugins and stuff with it but sort of at baseline if we said you know could we get could we do like make an extension or something in VS code that would allow us to get all of the programming support and like be able to do all the stuff in VS code that we can do in game maker. And the answer at the time was probably not. Cause it was just like, there's so many features that game maker has that it would just be too much, you know, to, to get there. But after this past uh, week and a half, you know, it's kind of, I've kind of switched gears and basically landed on like, you know what? That's okay. But yeah. if, if I can get copilot, then it's okay if we can't do literally everything yep. in VS Code uh, because I could always open up Game Maker to do those handful of things that we haven't like recreated in VS Code. Yeah. And the fact is and you so, do spend most of your time programming in Game yeah. Maker. That's most of what yeah. you're doing. So Yeah, exactly. And so um so then Adam Adam and and Sure just started blazing forward on on uh getting a, a VS Code extension so that we can work on Game Maker projects through VS Code. And because they have Copilot to help them make this extension, <laughs> the the features have been coming so fast. So fast that it's I'm I don't really have <laughs> words. Like literally like on on Monday afternoon this week. So right now it's Friday when we're recording this. Like on it's Monday afternoon, at the end of the day, we had the conversation of like, hey, maybe we should like do this thing, right? And so then on Tuesday, I I started using VS Code for for Game Maker just to like get a sense of where we were at. And and I was like, oh yeah, like uh, syntax highlighting is kind of whack. Like it's not giving me the right color coding for things, you know? And like that afternoon, we had it. And then like every time I would come up with something and be like, oh yeah, this is a problem. This is a problem. And it was never more than like an hour before that feature was in. And and, and I did have a head start because I'd been working on this on like weekends and evenings, like here and there, you know, leading up to now. But the reason, because I'd actually tried this like a year ago unsuccessfully because they were just so like, and I think I was also just kind of taking the wrong approach. Um, but I rebooted it. I don't know. Like just like six weeks ago or something like it's still really recent, but 
But the reason that I'd already made a bunch of progress, because I probably total put like maybe 12 hours into it on the side before this week. Mm-hmm. And, but all of those were, uh, were co-pilot and chat GPT assisted. Right. So I already had like the, f- the full, like full, a fully functioning and deployable extension. It just was doing the bare minimum, right? Like, mm-hmm. like really basic highlighting, really basic support of various types. But the fact that I had gotten there already and like, and already had a lot of parity actually with like baseline editing game maker stuff that, that even like you, yeah, you, you'd already done the setup work. Basically. Yeah, I already did the setup, but yeah, but so yeah. much of that was from like, I would, there were, there's like aspects of building a, a visual, like a, an extension to provide a language, you know, a new lang- a new programming language to an editor. And I didn't like, I knew of them, but I didn't know how to do any of that. There are all these like configuration files and I don't know how they work and the documentation is all over the place. And, a lot of it's outdated, you know, but I was, so I would just go and it's like when I couldn't figure something out, I would just like go into chat GPT and be like, Hey, how does, <laughs> like, what is, I don't understand how these files work. Like explain how these things relate to each other. And then it would do like a decent job actually. Most of the time, like it was, it was wrong here and there and all of that. Right. But it did a good enough job that it easily cut out half of the time I would have spent just like experimenting and searching documentation, right? Yeah, it's like 12 hours instead of 24 hours. Yeah, exactly. Hours, like right? it, it just gave me such a huge boost. And then recently, GitHub released Copilot for Docs, which is basically ChatGPT, but on top of uh, some certain kinds of documentation, including VS Code, right? So now there's actually an interface I can go because I'm in the early access phase of that. So then this week also, like if I'm trying to find out how to do something and it's just like I can't figure it out, it's like spread across documents and and people's issues on the internet and all that kind of stuff you know i just go in there and i just type a question in in copilot for docs for vs code you know and it's been less accurate there actually than like other parts because i think it's just like so specific um but still accurate enough that it's like just got me get over you the right, all the of right these direction. humps that i easily like so it's like in the span of this week if i didn't have these tools available this stuff would require so much like trial and error and like reading documentation and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff that it would have taken at least twice as long to make this much progress. Yeah. So it's been this like weird thing where, you know, by, by, uh, the fact that like I got my gums stabbed by a scalpel led to this kind of like cascading, uh, AI Trojan horse that has now caused us to basically say like, we want VS code and game maker, but we can't have it. Or sorry, we want copilot and game maker, but we can't have it. Yep. But can we take Game Maker out of Game Maker and put it into VS Code where we do have Copilot? <laughs> yep. And because Copilot exists, doing something like that, uh, like developing your own extension in VS Code to be able to like add a new programming language to it mm-hmm. and like a new project, and it's turned out to be not that big of yeah. a deal. Yeah. And VS yeah. Code is just, it's a so, really good editor with like so many, because it's something we've been talking about this week too, is that, is that a code editor experience is mostly comes down to like a million tiny user experience details, right? And, and VS Code is this huge advantage, which is, it's been around for a while now. It has this huge, it's, it's the most popular editor on the market by a huge margin. Um, and it has this like whole ecosystem of plugins and a way of like building extensions and plugins and stuff. Right. So it already has solved like all of the little tiny, really hard details of like what happens when you move the cursor around, right? Like mm-hmm. stuff that seems like if you've never actually thought through all the things that are going into it, like a, even just like a text editor, you know, like if you're in your word processor or something, the sheer amount like of questions that are being answered, like what happens when you hit the down key, right? And you're in a paragraph, right? Where does the cursor supposed to go? Right. And if you hit up, I mean, when, if you hit up again, where is it? Sp- it should end up right back where it was, you would think. Right. But like, I've had to solve these problems. Yeah, it's uh, like so in, many in, tiny problems in our games. And yeah, it was like, it's like a week of work to make just like the most basic text editor because and there's also stuff like you never think about the fact that when you're looking at text, there are just like thousands of characters being rendered on your screen. Yeah. How? Like, how do you, it makes sense. Like if you look at a picture and it's like, yeah, it's a picture, mm-hmm. right? It's one file, right? But like, how, how, are, how is this thing efficiently rendering thousands and thousands of character, of independent characters, right? Without just like making the CPU or the GPU, you know, 
catch on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all these little things that you don't think about, but then like somebody who's made it an editor like VS Code, like they've solved all of those problems. And you don't, you don't have to worry about that stuff. You can build on. Yeah, on you can just them, add know. features, which is delightful. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's been a it's been a pretty wild journey, and it's it kind of had a point where like uh, yesterday um, was the first day where where I just programmed in VS Code uh, to work on our games for the whole the whole day, and then I just did one thing at the very end. Uh, that I had to open up Game Maker for, right? So it's like, and we're still, you know, we're still using the the Game Maker uh, like runner and programming language and, and all that stuff, but we just basically like are using a different IDE now. So mm-hmm. uh, that's been that's been a, a a wild trip, and I think it's just kind of like it, it does make me think about how I've talked to quite a few people about AI stuff who are totally out of the loop, mm-hmm. um, and it always feels like when I'm describing to them like what these tools do. I just sound insane. Like, like we're talking to somebody about chat GPT and they're like, oh yeah, like, do you need a contract? Like it can make that exactly based on the terms that you specify. Do you want some poems? Do you want mm-hmm. a children's book? Do you want to do some programming? Like it just, it seems so stupid that you could just kind of like, hey, do you have a problem? Like use this mm-hmm. tool. <laughs> it's too, it's so open-ended that people, um, people have a really hard time latching on to these things because it's not like a hammer, right? We're like if somebody has a nail and they're like, how do I get this into this wood? Right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, there's this, there's this exact specific tool for that problem. Here you go. And it's an obvious like one-to-one match. But with so many of these AI tools, they can do so many things that uh, it's very hard to convey to somebody when and why and how they should be using it. And then like what I experienced this past weekend, you know, is that like once you do start using it, you can't unsee yeah. all of the things that you could be doing with it. Yeah, which I, I think uh, of that as like programming in general, actually. It's one of the things like I've always been a big proponent of trying to get everybody around me to learn programming for like that same reason, right? Which is because it wasn't until I – because I started self-teaching shit back in 2008 now, right? So, so a long time ago. But only because I was like, this sounds neat. You know, right? But I, I didn't have any like real world use cases because I didn't know what I could do with it. I just thought this sounded cool, you know. So I started learning it, and then there was a point, like a like a month in or something, where I was I was in the lab doing lab work, and I was like learning this stuff on the side, and all of a sudden, like some dots connected, and I was like, oh, like this is a programming. This problem. is a programming mm-hmm. problem, right? And then from that moment forward, suddenly I could see programming problems, right? It's like the matrix. You can see yeah, all you can the see it now. And that's, code. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things like there's a point you have to hit experientially of like using these things and like them applying them to the world where now all of a sudden like everything connects and you're like, oh shit, right? And it changes how you view the world and solving problems in it. Uh, but until that time, like everything is just this kind of like theoretical, interesting, you know, kind of concept, but doesn't, there's no obvious application for it. Yeah. And this is something that I think, I think a lot of people are going to be caught off guard here because young, so like young people are great at this because they have no pre-established ways of doing things or thinking, right? Like they'll just do stuff and like nothing is at stake and they just do, they just do things, which is why, like I've been reading all these um, reports about like college students and high school students and something like 85 to 95% of college and high school students report that they are using chat GPT almost every day for some aspect of their schoolwork, whether it's literally ma- like doing their schoolwork for them, <laughs> essentially cheating or just using it as like a tutor or to help them. Um, but then if you go talk to adults, uh, the number it's is like the inver- s- inverted so basically. much lower. Yeah. yeah. Because like they just, they've been doing stuff a certain way and they just will keep doing that. Right. Well, I think it's, it's also like this- because the messaging around it is, I think, it's all being done in the worst way possible because all the messaging in avenues that adults are like paying attention to, right, is basically how AI is coming to take everyone's jobs. It's taking our right? jobs, yeah. And like, hey, look, <laughs> no, you, can use it, uh, you can use it to generate anything. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. When the reality is that these things are really good when you pair them with somebody who knows the, the yeah. material, right? That's, that's where they that's actually where are really, really, really good. And outside of that context, they're like, they're, they're fun toys, Right. And they can do some like surprising stuff. And sometimes they can do some impressive stuff. Right. I mean, it's actually, frankly, always impressive because the tech is really impressive. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like actual practical uses, like it's the pairing of of human expertise and knowledge with these tools that really shines. And I think that's where just being willing to go engage with these things, 
right? And as, as you're saying, having no pre, you know, pre-existing notions of how, exactly how you're supposed to do stuff, uh, but also not not being at the part of like life where all you care about is like your economic situation, whether you're going to be out of money in 10 years, you know, because mm-hmm. like that's all like as adults out in the world that we're just like so focused on capitalism not killing us that we're just like, you don't get to go into those levels unless you're in tech. And then in tech- You cannot explore. You can only exploit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's been it's been kind of a transformative uh, week. I will have some more to say about it. And then yeah, extension so, oh, is to... available. So if you are mm-hmm. a game maker uh, developer, and that's true. Yeah, if you want to beat, boot up VS Code, uh, so it's Visual Studio Code. It's a Microsoft product, totally free. Which is I still don't understand why, because uh, it is so good, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's free. It's, it's, it's developed by Microsoft. Um, and then there's just extensions so you can, you can get, so, um, you can get the copilot extension. You, you can get, get the copilot extension, extension yep. called stitch. Yeah. That's so, the game maker. Extension. Yep, so if you just go to the extensions thing, do a search for stitch, then you can just install it and start using it right there. And I've the stitch, like when you find it in there, then it has a whole page describing like what it can do and what your options are and how to configure it and stuff. So, um, so you can just start using it. Yeah. Yeah. And you do still need to have GameMaker. I have GameMaker installed. Yeah, stuff like that. It it kind of like hooks into it, so it doesn't. It's not a replacement of it or anything like that. Uh, yeah. So it's been a pretty fun week. Uh, all right. Well, let's get on to some questions. Let's go. What do you guys think? All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net, and the highest upvoted question comes from Teal, who says, "Adam, what?" Oh. I would like to hear your <laughs> mouth noises on web tech and frameworks, presumably words, not just like Gross, slurping yeah. sound. Yeah, uh, I heard you once say something like, fuck React in one of the past episodes. <laughs> I'm curious what you like for front end and back end web dev. I've been enjoying Django lately, even though it's kind of cheating. That's the Django. So I, it's got a D in so this is so, mm. Yes. So this is something that I always find hilarious whenever people talk about web stuff. Uh, and I also found this when like working with Adam over the past weekend on some of the JavaScript stuff we were doing is web developers have this, they have this inbuilt knowledge of like 1000 different microservices that have really fucking weird names. Yeah. And they'll be like, mm, I need to add two numbers together. Mm, don't worry. There's a, there's a, a plugin for that. And then it's, yep. it's like called weed whacker or something. <laughs> there's like, a, they go, <laughs> there's like, two, the two web dev podcasts I listen to that both have variations of like a little game show internally where mm. they feed people a set of like four things. And they're like, which one of these is a web framework for it? You cannot guess. Yeah. Svelte is, is my. Svelte Kit is my is my top one right now. But, yeah, but you got Rust. Uh, yeah, Rust is a programming language, but I bet you anything there's a JavaScript framework called Rust. Um, you know, like Ruby on Rails. Ruby on Rails is another web framework um, for the Ruby language. Uh, and but yeah, but it's like it's what is it because there's especially recently there's this like there's like Astro and like Remix and like the, like the list just these are just any words. word you can think <laughs> of. There's a web framework and they, and they literally come yeah. out like every week and so it's one Which, of the. It's one of the things about this web dev is it is it's as an environment it's just like that's what it's like to be in it so uh, so at any given moment there's like the next hot thing that you're supposed to learn right and then like the next new approach to how do you think about these things and and so there's just new jargon being developed constantly and then people are fighting about it and everyone's like oh now this thing is dead now and you know just like it just keeps on this thing is dead it was just born six months ago it's dead yeah, move but nobody on. cares you know? <laughs> it's uh, it's so where are you at now? So if you if if React, you yeah, fuck React, obviously. Well, so I mean, um, so yeah, so all without getting too into the weeds, React is like is the the framework out there, right? So like if you're if you're working for a company and they and they're doing any web stuff, which is basically any company, right? It's probably in React. If it's especially if it's a newer company, if it's an older company, it might be some like some of the tech that isn't like all hyped, right? Which isn't to say it's worse, but it's not part of like the hype cycle, right? Uh, and so React has now been around for long enough. It's a, it's a Facebook product, which is part of why I don't associate with it. Um, but Good it's move. but it's it's really robust. It's like developed with high engineering standards, right? I don't like its opinions because its opinions are like we shouldn't be opinionated. So you still have to like figure out how to do literally everything. We just provide some of the core parts, mm-hmm. which like no thanks. Just give me shortcuts. I don't. I don't. That's a cop out. I don't. Yeah, I don't yep. need to make decisions about all this stuff. Like I can be comfortable with decisions I don't like as long as I don't have to make them myself, right? So, 
Uh, nice. which I think, that's a good life philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a state that I've like developed over time because I used to just be like, I don't like this. I'll just go make my own, right? And now I'm just like, we, we were joking about this too because like, because uh, when Seth was in JavaScript for the first time and I had installed an auto formatter because like I hate, I hate even thinking about like, did I tab this or whatever? I just, I just code and then save. And then when I save it, just my, my code just gets auto formatted to like have the right number of annotations, right? It has no settings. I can't even choose how it formats. Perfect. Not even any options, right? <laughs> so Seth's looking at some of these things and he's like, oh, I hate that it did this. I'm like, yeah, you get used to it though, you know, because like, yeah. I don't like do it you either. Do like, you know? really? You, you know? do yeah. actually, right? You just, yeah, well, well, you just it's more get like, used to it. It's more than like, yeah, I mean, you don't really get to hate it though. Yeah, you don't have to. It's, it's yeah. just a fixed, yeah. you, you can, I mean, you can have opinions about it, but it'll be a waste of your time. Hey, it's like the weather. You know? Yeah, you so know? you just don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the weather. So yeah, that's kind of pissed off that it's raining. It's just, it's just raining. Yeah. You know, that's just what So it is. All, of, all of my opinions are sort of like the, the root of them come down to like, I don't want to have, I, I want to be able to, to create interesting, useful things with minimal kinds of decisions, right? I just want to be, I just want to give a set of things like, okay, here's a way you can make all of this stuff happen. And as long as it can make the stuff happen I want to have happen, then we're golden, right? And the other like hard requirement I have now for any tech that I use, uh, is, is, as long as it's possible, is minimal cognitive load by really good tooling. So that's, that's why I'm a huge TypeScript fan, which is a basically a, a version of JavaScript that adds all kinds of fancy tooling that makes it just so much easier to know what's going on because the tools tell you. They're just like, oh, this is broken now because you changed this thing over here, and it can tell. Perfect. Right? So now all of a sudden, like the cognitive load goes down. So so I like tools that, that, and especially because I have to bounce around to different kinds of tech. So I'm not, so people who just like live in React all day, um, like it's a very cool, very robust, enormous, complex piece of machinery, right? And if you're a deep expert in it, you can do anything and it's, and it's very cool, but it's not a thing that you can just be like, oh, I'm, I mean, you can, but like the power you have is, is now much more limited if you're like in our situation where sometimes I'm doing gaming programs, sometimes I'm building VS Code extensions, sometimes I'm building CLI tools, right? Yeah, if you um, have to bounce around a lot more, then it's not quite as... Uh, yeah, it's good useful. for like yeah. an enterprise with 100 people all building the same website. But it's like, mm-hmm. that's a perfect piece of tech for that. Um, for my case, which is now more focused on just individual autonomy and being able to jump in and out of stuff, right? I just need stuff that makes decisions for me and is really easy to jump into. And I don't worry as much about like, what's the long-term likelihood that this thing is still around in 10 years? Like, I, who, who gives a shit? I'll just do something else then, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah, JavaScript will be. JavaScript will be. It's It, it can't go away because it's baked into the internet, right? So, <laughs> so, uh, so that's why I'm a big fan of Svelte Kit, which is one of the latest, one of the latest of the things, but it just hit its 1.0 release uh, mm. last year, I think, um, or six months ago. It's very recent. Uh, actually, I think it was just like six months ago. Um, and it's just like the nicest, friendliest way. Like it has a whole bunch of really strong opinions, but there's only a few that I just don't like for the most part. Mm. And the one, those ones that I didn't like, I looked up cause like it's all an open source project and the main developer of it is just on like GitHub issues and people are like, I hate this. And he's like, well, here's why we did it this way. And every time I've read one of those, I'm like, okay, yeah. Like I still don't like it, but now I see why you did that. And so fine. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and so he had to do all the work, like he and his team of like making a, a million decisions, right. That had mm-hmm. to work in a huge array of contexts because they wanted to have a highly opinionated thing where, you didn't have to make decisions, right? And so it makes it nice to work with. It's just so nice to work with because you learn what the opinions are. And then you just fucking, you just get to go build stuff, you know? You just work with them. You just work yeah. with them. You're not making a million decisions. So, uh, and a lot of the newer tools like have kind of shifted to that and frameworks have kind of shifted to that model. So there's a lot of cool stuff doing it. Um, but long story short, like that's the kind of way that I evaluate these things. And so I don't actually think fuck React. I think fuck React for my own use cases, like I won't touch it if I can avoid it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's just, it's too hard to use to jump in and out of. And you, you have to be too much of an expert in it to use it mm-hmm. rather than if you just know a lot about HTML and JavaScript and just like web stuff, you could just jump right into Svelte. You, uh, you have to know almost nothing like because it all like is really intuitive and just kind of makes sense. Um, and so that's the kind of stuff that I look for these days. Yeah, and worst case scenario, like, just ask ChatGPT, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, actually, it's kind of a problem because Svelte <laughs> is only recently popular. That's true, yeah. So ChatGPT and Copilot don't know very much about Svelte. But because Svelte, though, 
is like, it feels like you're just writing HTML and JavaScript. It doesn't feel like you're in a fancy, complicated, you know, thing. So Copilot can guess So yeah, well. Copilot could actually like still do a really good job in that context. But if you're like, hey, tell me how to build a SvelteKit app, like from, you know, like from the very beginning or whatever, uh, you're going to get pretty medium results because 20, in 2021, like SvelteKit was a baby. It just barely existed, you know? And that's when ChatGPT slash Copilot stopped learning. Stopped learning. Yeah. It doesn't know anything after that. Yeah, but although there are browsing plugins coming uh, for ChatGPT, at which point it, you'll be able to ask it questions, and then I can go get stuff off the internet and yeah. answer questions. Yeah, actually, you, I so. do. Yeah, I got access to that also. Um, oh, man. Uh, or I got, I got access to like the plugins thing, right? We have a running joke at the studio now that Adam somehow has beta access to like every p new piece of cutting-edge technology <laughs> yeah. that exists. Yeah. Yeah, I like, just I assume, I assume you were there for like the 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 SpaceX Starship launch and you know like <laughs> yeah, all. <the> <laughs> I was in like the second wave of Copilot back when it was free when they were first just like putting it out to experiment with it, you know. Um, and like every GitHub thing that gets released into into betas and early access and stuff, like I sign up on the wait list instantly, you know, the moment it appears. Mm -hmm. uh, which is why because like GitHub for Docs or Copilot for Docs, what I mentioned earlier, uh, they're like not even adding new people into it. So like they they have a they have a Discord that it. they've set up <laughs> where it's like just people being like, how do I get into this? Like, I want to get into this thing now. And they're like, oh, well, we have enough, you know, initial users to get, like, get our first rounds of feedback and stuff. And so I just like got to sneak in under the mm -hmm. under the radar for all these things. So Oh, man. It's pretty yeah, fun. It's pretty wild. All right. Uh, next question comes from Bupanoidly Rolipa, who says, what's the biggest misconception people have about working in the games industry? Uh, I'll go for the low-hanging fruit first, which is just that making games and playing games are the same thing. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, it depends on, I feel like it's almost a generational thing. Yeah, absolutely, yep. Yeah. So if you're talking about like people in the generations older than us, then yeah, that's basically, that's always the response is something like, oh, so you just play games all day. Literally, like every, every single time. I tell Honestly, someone, I heard that a lot when we first started, mm -hmm. and I haven't heard it nearly as much recently. Mm -hmm. But I, I have gotten that exact comment yep. where I say, I'm a game developer and somebody says, oh, so you just sit around and play games all day. And it was so weird to me because I thought, how what logical steps do you take that mm -hmm. to believe that the that a thing is created in the exact same way it is consumed? Oh, yeah. Very, very it, right. Yeah. In what world would that ever apply to anything mm -hmm. that exists? <laughs> yeah, so I think I think that's that's a big one. I think among among then first-time devs or people trying to get into it is actually similar, which is that most of game dev is making the game mm -hmm. when in fact, maybe, maybe half of game dev is making the game. The other half is just all the other stuff. Like we're talking about making this VS code extension to mm -hmm. you know, manage the programming and like doing all the thought work required to figure out a control schema that spans across three different fucking platforms or whatever. You know, it's like there's so many things that Again, kind of like the type editor, text editor thing we were talking about earlier. There's all these just thousands Infinite of decisions. Tiny things. Yeah, that that you can you'll feel like sometimes you've just taken some crazy pills for a particular week because it's like I feel like I've done nothing at all except for make mm -hmm. a billion tiny decisions about stuff that essentially enable other things to happen, but don't themselves do a like a damn thing. You know, so there's a lot of that. Like well, a lot that, more of that thing. Yeah, even that first half you mentioned, which was like making the game, like making the game is itself 90% just like making decisions about a million things about oh. the game and then actually like doing it, right? But it's it's actually figuring out what to do. And, and to your point about like you'll spend a week and be like, what the fuck was this? It'll be a thing where like you go to do something that should be easy. Like conceptually, because mm -hmm. as a person, you're like, I mean, we talk about the door problem, right? But a yeah. lot, but it's such a good example, right? But you also take, you could take fishing, you could take anything as a, as a mechanic that you want in a game. Mm -hmm. And there's like some aspect of it where you're like, oh, I want this to be a thing. And then it takes you a week to figure out how mm -hmm. though, and how does this interact with all the other parts and blah, blah, blah. And like by the end of that week, you're like, oh, you're like, finally, I have like, I now got to add the doors that are twice as big as they used to be. Right. And that's, like, that's the <laughs> outcome, you know? <laughs> And yeah, it could be very, it's weird. Yeah. It, it actually reminds me a lot of, of, so like when this is kind of a weird segue, but like when the uh, Ukraine war started, mm. started reading a lot about what was going on there. 
And there was a lot of conversation about logistics mm-hmm. because oh, there were all these countries coming in and, and, and providing, you know, weapons, aid, uh, food, you know, whatever to to the Ukrainians. And then the Russian soldiers were coming in with like no fucking supplies at all. Mm-hmm. I like, even saw some videos where like they had some new, quote, recruits in Russia. They were conscripted, right? Um, and they were just told, we don't have any first aid supplies so if you get shot or whatever, then here's some things you can do. Rip up your shirt and like tie it around your mm-hmm. leg or, you know, whatever. And it was just like um, that aspect of warfare, which is just like getting stuff where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. is That's actually a most it, of It's like it 99% yeah. of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, then, and then like there's this tiny little bit. Of which is the like the people actually like using the stuff at the point in time where it was intended to be used, but but you know all these like these uh, like the U.S. military with all of its bases everywhere, it's like it's just a logistics machine, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and you've got and and if you talk to any any like people who have been in the military, they'll tell you that most of what they do is wait, yep. right? Like it's not it's not like they're just like sun up sun down just blasting the whole time. It's it's like lots of decisions, lots of planning, lots of movement of supplies, figuring out information, moving information. It's just logistics, logistics, logistics. Loading and unloading and things, then, driving things. Yeah. 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 And and you know, we ha- like when we're working on our games, logistics is is the same like yeah, portion honestly, of what we're doing. It's actually very good. Like <laughs> metaphorically, it's actually that's a really good jump because they talk about how you know your wars and stuff are 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 one along supply line in logistical dimensions, mm-hmm. uh, typically because the reality is like it just it just doesn't matter if you have you know a hundred thousand like extra troops, but they're being but slowly killed by winter. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, or you can't, or you can't, or, yep. yeah, or they ran out of ammo. Or like they ran out of shit. fuel. Like this kept happening. Yeah. Like the Russian tank convoys would just run out of fuel and then they'd just be chilling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it, it does matter if you're actually in like a direct, you know, moment of conflict. The numbers are typically, this is one of those, one of those truths, which is like just decide with more numbers typically has, is going to, you know, yeah, but you still prevail. have to get the numbers there. And yeah. They have to have supplies and be healthy and yeah. know things. So right? a, a tremendous amount of game dev. And actually, and it's true on the art side too. You know, people think that uh, that the art would be you know, behaving any, any differently. It's generally very wrong, which is like there's all that technical setup. Like the thing I typically do at the end of my days now uh, before the next day is basically get my files and my, get my stuff sort of readied so that the next morning – when I'm coming in to knock out a, a bunch of new assets that I can just go, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but so much of my, even at that point, so much of my just going is because we've established all these ways in which, in which I go, such that the art could be flung out and be correct, you know, on the other side. And so it's like, there's so much of this uh, setting up for a moment in time, executing on the moment in time within a very specific set of parameters that you have had to think through. And then essentially transferring the result of that execution to some other place, right? Each one of those pieces that like basically the two around the execution are things that people know, just you don't think of them. You don't get into game dev because you like fucking building art pipelines. Like you don't, that's not usually <laughs> a thing, right? But but they're well, you'll get required. to experience that until you're making the game. Yes. Like, oh shit, we need a pipeline. You yes, know? exactly. It's not all. It's not being on the shooting range. It's not Call of Duty. You know what I mean? Where it's like it's just the part where you're shooting. It's just not mm-hmm. how any of this works. And so it's it's shocking how much of it is not not doing direct like execution of work. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you can see <laughs> yeah. how these things fall apart. So like you know, we, like we've all heard the stories of cyberpunk or oh, yeah. No Man's Sky or whatever, where it's like. The, the core concept of the game is is great, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, oh, yeah, like this this wild, like open world, like futuristic cyberpunk city with all these stories and stuff. But there's all these integration challenges of like, you know, in, in our experience, like we've been working, we recently, we've been working on some fishing stuff in, in Crash and Stew and, and there's a huge leap from going like, okay, well, you know, we have a fishing pole and you can cast it in the water, mm-hmm. right? It's like, okay, well, we've got that, but now like, you still need fish, right? Mm-hmm. So you need you need to be able to pull something out, and then and then you've got to figure out what those are for, right? Because the player's not just going to go do this for no reason. You've got to mm-hmm. you've got to hook it in, and then there's questions about teaching. Like once you once you do have stuff in in there, how do you introduce? When and how do you introduce the player to this stuff? And how do you do? And and what else are they 
what else is contending for the player's attention at that time? Um, and you have to know and figure out so much about the context of all these different points in time in the game so you can slot things in and weave them together um, that if you don't have good mechanisms or tools for visualizing that or making decisions about it, in other words, like all the logistics, right, mm -hmm. then uh, everything just kind of grinds to a halt, yeah. you know? And so like so much of our time is spent on tooling because even with as small of a team as we have, it's just it's just logistics problem after logistics yep. problem yep. over and over and over and over again. Uh, and honestly, like, sometimes I kind of like envy. Uh, like I, I've I've talked in the past about that guy I met at GDC once who like worked on Final Fantasy games, and his only job was this was like from a, a, a different time mm -hmm. in like graphics rendering, but his job was like making 2D shadows uh, for 3D animations. So instead of actually having lighting, they just pre-rendered shadows mm -hmm. uh, and then they just associated those shadows with like different parts of, the, of animations. And so this, this guy's job for this whole game was just to be given these 3D models with their animations and make shadows for them, mm -hmm. right? Um, and sometimes I think like, you know, it's boring probably, but also like, how pure execution, execution, you know? It's just pure execution. Somebody else <laughs> is worrying about all the other bullshit, right? <laughs> like yep. how the 3D models, are, how the shadows will get hooked up and how the 3D models will work in the game and storytelling. You know, this dude is just off in the back, just chilling, just making his shadows yep. <laughs> for like two years. Yep. So, yeah, you the, know. The cost of making decisions, I mean, basically bring us back to the last question, right? Which is like, yes. Yeah, or to the co-pilots. Yeah, stuff, right? any, anywhere like you can offload decisions, like that's where – you get to that's where you get to actually move ahead and do what everybody thinks you're it means it's like the, when people think it means oh when you're playing video games you're, or making video games you're like jumping in and playing something and coming back out and then like making it really good and then jumping back in and like testing it or whatever mm -hmm. right? and that's the reality that we want you know and we're constantly striving to get closer and closer to that yeah <laughs> but it means like the amount of like infrastructure and decision making we have to do to get there is just so high um, and, and you get like a lot of all the stuff we talked about over the years of process improvements and tooling improvements and all that kind of stuff is really at root about how do we shift the logistics and decision-making off of our brains onto systems. Yes. So they just happen now. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. So yeah, that's, that's, I'd say that's fair, Sam. That is a big misconception is that, is that uh, you're spending a lot of your time making games as opposed to talking about and making decisions about making games mm -hmm. and the tools that you use to make them. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa DaCosta, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the community Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.